welcome back to It Was Murder, the number one heart-to-heart podcast in the world doing Chain Reaction Open Season. So focused on heart-to-heart. Uh, yes. <laughs> I'm your diehard romantic, Eric Blood. And I'm your devoted lover, Elenito. And I'm the runaway virgin, Joe Garber. And today we followed Bernard Fresson from uh, The Tenant to Hiroshima Mon Amour. Yes, we did. By French New Wave director Alain Rizné. Alain <laughs> Rizné. Uh, I had never seen this movie. Neither had I. Interesting. It was uh, something. I, and, and, I have. <laughs> uh, I have seen it. Joe, would you mind telling us what happens in this movie in 60 seconds or less? I don't mind trying. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Hiroshima Monomore. Two new lovers are discussing Hiroshima, war, remembrance, and philosophy. And it turns out one of them is an actor in a movie about peace set in Hiroshima, and the other, the man, is an architect who uh, lives in Hiroshima. And they go about their day. She tells him he's that she has to leave. She uh, choose her film. He finds her. They go out. They, it becomes more and more dreamlike as the film progresses, and it dives into her past in Nevers, France, where she had a lover who was a German military officer, and he was shot to death just before the town was de. Uh, uh, what's the word? Denazified. <laughs> and she is having trouble parsing that. It's a lot about big, un. Uh, <laughs> Un, huge, magnificent, giant feelings about the world that are uncommunicable. The end. Wow. God. <laughs> Woo. Wow. Joe, that is a totally unique Minute Max. <laughs> I think so, yeah. Oh, really, because, because you are the crown prince, nay king, mm-hmm. of... Uh, <laughs> like just laying the plot out mm. like you you are Thank a master you. of the synopsis mm-hmm. but not today not today <laughs> <laughs> no but, that's but, true but to me that that really sets the tone about the impact of this film i'm super interested now yeah. to hear what you have to say and i'm stalling because i don't know what i'm gonna say this. <laughs> yeah exactly but yeah wow. i mean i feel like i'm never hewing to the plot so I'm free. So I'm good free. luck. Yeah. I'm just going to describe the plot. Go into this dream. Just, just yeah. kidding. Here we go. <laughs> Hiroshima Mon Amour. So it's 1959. Okay. And um, for those of you that aren't paying attention at all, um, the United States dropped an atomic bomb <laughs> on the city of Hiroshima in 1945. Then they dropped another one three days later on the city of Nagasaki. And then Japan was like, you know what? Fuck this war. Stop killing us. Hmm. Anyway, so this movie is um, <laughs> shot in Hiroshima. And it the, it opens with a blend of documentary footage and created footage around the atomic bomb drop but also focusing on the memorial museum collection anyways it's it's utilizing a love affair that a couple have he and she as were they're described to us an architect and an actress and it's about basically the transience of memory Mm. the end 
There's a white cat in Steam that always stands out to me. There's a white cat. Yes. Well, shit. Spot on. What am I supposed to say about this? Uh... Well, I think we've left you a lot of room. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of little, things we didn't say. Too, a little too much room. <laughs> no one knows what happened in I'm this movie. I'm just going to run around this room that you have left me yeah. in. <laughs> Screaming. Blindfolded. Okay. <clears throat> 1959, Alan René, uh, an actor, a Parisian actress who is doing her first film, which is an anti-war film in Hiroshima, uh, has an affair with a married architect who uh, was not present in Hiroshima because then he would be dead, but uh, was there. And uh, witnessed the atrocity committed by the United States upon Japan. They discuss memory a lot. Uh, we find out that she was <laughs> she was her first love was a Nazi soldier who uh, was shot uh, when they denazified <laughs> Nevers. <laughs> I'm never gonna call it uh, a disoccupation. Um, oh fuck. Then, you know, they're just really trying to stay together for this whole thing, but it's kind of a doomed romance. Uh, and it's a weird early study of uh, white women finding out about bad things that happen to other people. <laughs> okay. Yes, it so, is. Uh, All right. I had never seen this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's always a treat to see something new. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, I had to watch it. I had to watch the second half of it again this morning um, because I was mm. one. We have a we have a house guest who mm. who is very amusing. Yeah. Uh, and, <laughs> His commentary, yeah, commentary was was <laughs> thick uh, and great. Uh, but then, yeah, this morning I was like, I don't remember how this movie ended, so yeah. I, had to, I had to watch it again. Uh, now, do you remember? Yeah, how it ended? You do? Wow. Yeah, I do. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was beautiful. It was way heavier. I don't know why I wasn't expecting a, a heavy movie called Hiroshima Monomore. <laughs> but it was heavier than I thought. Like the first, mm-hmm. particularly the first 20 minutes, I was like, oh, fuck. Like, yeah. And then it, I was also like, they should, <laughs> they should throw this in at every screening of Oppenheimer. Like the mm-hmm. first hour and a half of Oppenheimer should be Hiroshima Monomore. Mm-hmm. And then you can watch... Uh, Oppie feel bad. <laughs> anyway, Joe, what'd you think? Uh, I loved it. I it's very thought provoking and uh interesting and some of the th- some of the uh thoughts and ideas about the atomic bomb and other atrocities of war were very interesting to hear, especially during that time. Mm-hmm. Um. But I don't know. I'm worried about talking about it because it's. I feel like I need to do more research about it. Like I feel like I need to read <laughs> an entire book about this movie before being able to more accurately talk about it. But I watched a interview with Elaine Rene, and he was talking about. Someone asked him like, "What a year? Uh, my year in Marion Bad is that his other last year in Marion. Last Bad. year in Marion Bad. He was talking about that and what it was about, and he was just like, "I leave my films aren't." meant to be explained and they're meant to be like basically molds that the person finds a viewer finds themselves they're a dialogue with the viewer so that leaves us a little room for interpretation yeah ellen what did you think when you first saw this film well i first saw this film in 
undergraduate mm. as part of a of a European film class. Mm-hmm. And so it was shown along with uh, films and discussion by other filmmakers that are considered to be part of the French New Wave, right? Mm-hmm. And so Varda and, and Truffaut and Godard and then, you know, Rene. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was my first experience. So I think viewing it then, um, it's a different lens than just watching it, you know, over the course of this last week mm-hmm. um, and just trying to think of it in a different way. I think what was different for me this time is I I think this is happening with a bunch of the movies that we're, we've been talking about recently, which is I am curious about uh, how films are thrown into genres, right? And so this film is is often described as a romance Mm -hmm. and i have a hard time with romance (laughs) (laughs) in general like it's just just not like like if you put that label on something i'm usually like and what else is there (laughs) yeah yeah um not to be confused with love which of course i predictably love but love is different from romance but so. so um I don't see this film as a romance in the way that people who maybe are helped by that label, genre label, might desire romance. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I've been asking the two of you this question a few times now. Do you believe this film is a romance? I do. Um, the thing about romance to me as a genre is that it's actually in my opinion, it's an overlay more than a genre or it's a palette. It's a color palette. Like, um, I can't think of anything that's just romance. Like that's just pure romance. Mm. Like it has to either be a drama, a comedy, a thriller, (laughs) or in this case, a somewhat surrealist documentary. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so it's, (laughs) And I did, I thought about exactly that because I was like, what is it that defines romance for me? Um, and why does this qualify? Because, you know, just a cup, two people that fuck and then look at each other longingly and have a very <laughs> difficult time, like, understanding each other. Mm-hmm. Um, that tends to be what people call romance. Mm. And just another Saturday night. Yeah. <laughs> and that did happen in this film with a lot of laughing, laughing, open mouth laughing. Yeah, a lot of open mouth laughing and then some slapping. Oh, some slaps, for uh, sure. Because the French love to see a man slap a woman. They love it. They truly do. Um, but yeah, I... So, the movie to me is this dialogue between experience and... Uh, between experiences from two ends of a greater experience. Mm. So the war is the unifying theme, World War II. And for, like, the, the movie opens with a lot of documentary footage and this dialogue going over where uh, he keeps telling her, mm-hmm. you saw nothing. In Hiroshima, you have seen nothing in Hiroshima. And she keeps describing the recreative films, the Japanese, the 53 Japanese film Hiroshima that they use a lot of footage from. Um, She describes Mm -hmm. the museum Mm -hmm. in detail. 
And he keeps saying, you've seen nothing. And I love this because mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's such an important distinction that you, you need to, like, it's so important to understand that witnessing the aftermath of something mm-hmm. is not witnessing that thing. Yeah. It's important. I think it's very important. Mm-hmm. And it is like, it's important to educate everybody about what the fuck happens in the world. Yeah. Um, but as far as an understanding, that's really, that, that's a separate thing. Mm-hmm. And then when we get to her story. Yeah. <laughs> where, which is a totally different, like, yes, yeah, she was destroyed by this love and by her community uh, who uh, locked her in a basement yeah. and shaved her head. And I kept I my whole the whole time I'm like wait was she Vichy is she Jewish what like what is what's going on like there there was an element missing for me but that's also comes back to the story of memory mm. and what do we remember mm-hmm. and what do we choose to remember and the only note that I wrote mm. is a line that happens pretty early in the movie what? where he says mm. to her have you noticed people have a habit of noticing what they want. And she says, no. No. <laughs> I have not noticed that. Amazing. Well, amazing line. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, so many questions in, in Rene's other work to some, to varying degrees of success, like a filmmaker obsessed with memory, mm-hmm. right? And what it means. And I, I think it, there's just so many questions that come up. Mm-hmm. As we follow these characters, like in and out of this dialogue, um, it's like memory. It's like questions about how we use it, how it shapes our present, how memory changes, how, what we supplant memory with. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I'm most interested in the way that memory is used both by the filmmaker and the characters in this story um, as a tool mm-hmm. to either have this strange like side-by-side comparison of trauma right like some people want to compare their personal trauma against like this larger yeah like this this trauma on a massive scale right does that is she trying to is that is the hope that she is looking to diminish her trauma and supplant it uh by comparison against this bigger thing? Is it about diluting like the meaning of that to her by stepping into the place of people experiencing another Mm -hmm. trauma? I mean, when you think of uh, big fucked up things, you know what? Atom bombs wait right up there, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, really. Yeah, definitely. But pretty big. (laughs) But doesn't, doesn't that make, the scale of what am I really trying to say? I think it's an interesting interplay between uh, personal, like deeply personal, individualized trauma, yeah, and how we hold that, yes. and how we utilize that, and how it morphs for us versus large scale. You know, this is global yeah. trauma. So, especially now in the world, to think of to take nothing away from this awful thing on both sides, both of the characters experiencing terrible trauma rooted in war, but then to think of something like the pandemic, which we were talking about right before we started recording, it's like to think about a global Mm -hmm. trauma like that. 
mm-hmm. versus the way that we're processing and working through individual trauma or how that's changing the way that we're engaging or how we might be using that to, I don't know, as armor or as a weapon in our relationships with other people, other individuals. Yes, definitely. That felt like pretty spot on for what the like thesis of the movie was for me was the yeah like the how grief is like a liquid that fills whatever cup and it's like not something that you can really quantify I guess and it's this unquantifiable massacre giant enormous atomic bomb detonation uh, put up against her very personal loss of that of a person that she loved and her over the course of the film starting off is just like very like concretely realistic relationship between these two people slowly like unraveled into her having to face and remember the grief it seemed like was what was happening and how the time like sort of she's there's a one point where she goes back to her hotel room and she's talking to herself in the mirror and she's saying i cheated on you tonight by i think by telling the story of her lost lover she's like like put back into that place some or somehow and facing that grief head on and there's a line she says i didn't write it down i wish i had but it was something like the like life has a way of putting like the what is it like the grief of life if we look at at it face on, we drown is the scent sort of what she says. I can't, I got to look up that, what that quote actually is, but that is just, yeah, that personal grieving versus this historic grief of this giant thing. Is, I, uh, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I have to interject though that like, yeah, the, the, <laughs> to me, the, the comparison isn't between a global catastrophe and a personal catastrophe. It's mm-hmm. two personal catastrophes mm-hmm. set amidst a global catastrophe. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. by saying that it's her personal experience versus yeah, not... Hiroshima, right, right, we are ignoring that he is a human being who experienced this personally. So I, I can't. And then, and the fact that he's a fucking architect. The fact that she's staying in Hotel New Hiroshima, mm-hmm. like it's his personal experience is invel it it's a hug around her. Like it's mm-hmm. it's what they're both what they're both doing throughout this movie is their grief manifesting in the way like you were saying, like if is it a is it a weapon or is it a is it a motivator? Like is it a booster of some sort? Mm-hmm. I, I would say that I I feel that does not give the character of the architect much weight, much to do, much to say. I believe that Mm -hmm. he is represented to symbolize exactly what you're describing, to Mm -hmm. symbolize the rebuilding, the recovery from trauma, but Mm -hmm. also he, the character has aspects of He's he's just a foil, right? And I believe he's also a foil for the for the viewers. Yeah. It's it's not and this is not about that actor or or the performance. It it is simply about um the division of of labor between these two characters within the context of the film. Yes. I well, 
And so that's why I don't characterize him as having a, a stake as individual personalized trauma as i believe that he symbolizes something else and she even says that yeah, I think right. sim he may although i'll say i think he he does symbolize hiroshima itself versus the global impact of an atomic war so yes mm -hmm. i i agree with you uh in that sense but yeah. i don't see it as like individual personal for that character but, I, yeah. I i i agree with that they there really is an imbalance in in uh presentation of, of character <laughs> um because you know he's just not as cute as she is <laughs> yeah and uh Alan renee is french ben um, davis eyes but yeah i just the that's what i just kept thinking about like her experience mm -hmm. is is definitely horrifying that's a that's a trauma that she will carry as long as she can remember it because that's the other thing is you know her her horror at possibly forgetting yeah the the love of her life mm -hmm. uh amidst this global terror uh but he's <laughs> i don't know i just i maybe i'm just giving i'm giving him myself i'm giving that character myself to to fill in mm. the blank because we do open with you know visions of atrocity mm -hmm. and then he's from then on, he be and him representing Hiroshima is amazing. Like he's he's rebuilding. He's uh, he's still alive. Mm -hmm. He never sleeps. <laughs> uh, there's there. That's where the romance lies for me. Is mm. between when telling a story of a grand tragedy, a global tragedy, the humanity in the middle of it is where romance is. So it's like we're talking about two human beings mm -hmm. and the way two human beings interact. Um, she's an actress, so she talks a lot more than he does. <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. So yeah. that's why we get more story of her than him. And I, But I also like just the little things that we learn about him, the fact that he's married, the place that he lives, mm -hmm. um, the all of this, and the, also the fact that we don't see a wife yeah. Um, or hear a name that he apparently has this this can mean a lot of things mm -hmm. this could mean a lot of things she may have been lost in in the bombing yeah there's you know we and of course he does say that she's out of town right she's up in the mountains yeah at one point but i, I was at by the end of the movie it was like he was he didn't exist anymore almost like his character becomes the city sort of in a way that's like the, in the surreal dreamy way that the movie gets towards the end, mm. it's like they, the way she's at that bar and the other guy comes up and starts trying to talk to her was really interesting. It's like the whole movie maybe takes place like at that bar and there's just this, just like the whole thing is kind of a dream and they like made eye contact or something like that. I could see that was like a one interpretation I thought of that they didn't actually meet. And it was this hmm. dream the whole, the entire time because of the way it's told. But, uh, and then, but yeah, she says towards the end, he says, she says, you're Hiroshima. And he says, you're never, yeah. nevers. Right. Which he also is like fascinated with her town that she talks about, which was interesting that he tries to get, she's like, why is that out of the thousand things from my past? Why is this the thing you choose to, talk about and it's the obviously the biggest part of her life but i don't i would not think i don't think i won't think of this movie as a romantic 
romance movie at all. <laughs> I don't think, I mean, it is, there's definitely romance of course, but it's not, that's just definitely not what it's about in my mind at all. So yeah. I don't think of it like that. But it's, yeah, it's about headier things. Yeah, definitely. It's like a meditation on remembrance and <laughs> war. <laughs> um, certainly like an interesting film to watch and discuss uh, in a post Oppenheimer, the movie yeah. Uh, yeah. world. Because yeah. we have talked a lot about Oppenheimer mm -hmm. um, off pod, right? Mm -hmm. And yeah. so it's kind of like, oh, wow. It really, wow. but I, I think it's, uh, yeah. Genuinely, I, like this, this was like a needed, I, I needed to see this. Um, mm. <laughs> I just needed to see it, uh, particularly post Oppenheimer movie. Um, it's, it's necessary. It's necessary to get a dose of this mm -hmm. if you're gonna if you're gonna see that. Mm -hmm. I still mm -hmm. don't understand why that movie was made. Uh, I just don't. Um, so I either. I'm yeah. so yeah. I'm so conflicted about it. Uh, but. Yeah. Well, it's interesting to consider that this film was the director's original intention was to make a documentary, which of course I feel like yeah Ron is like in his the top five things he is most noted for of probably at the top is night and fog right his yeah. mm -hmm. holocaust documentary which is just unflinching mm -hmm. and i've never seen that oh i i wonder how this subject would have played out for him had he moved forward with it as a documentary project yeah it's really interesting the I, I thought a lot about also when we were talking about roman polanski on our last episode about how to talk about somebody like that this problematic thing and how this film that was meant as a short documentary but he made it 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 seems like from all accounts i can see online it's like he the the magnitude of the dropping the atomic bomb wasn't something that he could make a short documentary about and feel like he even touched on the subject. And so that's why it became this more personal story and more of a feeling of the, of it than anything, than anything like documentary documentary and truth about what actually happened logistically. It's more the feelings of the aftermath of it sort of is how it seems, but it's like just the things that are so difficult to talk about that there is no clear answer for the, that and this is the answer to talking about the atomic bomb which is this very like interpretive poem of a movie yeah i can't help but think of maybe my opinion of this is a is based entirely in modernity but i just find it so uh so mature and grown up yeah for someone to pivot like that when mm. they find that the subject matter that they have chosen is out of their depth amazing um yeah. And to find mm -hmm. to find the universal truth mm -hmm. within it that he can share, mm -hmm. I think that's very mature. Like because we've we've seen people make we've seen people tackle tackle topics that they have no business tackling, mm -hmm. and we've seen kind of half-assed, <laughs> you know, half-assed presentations of of their like a director's opinion on 
something that po- is possibly a global tragedy. Yeah. And I, you know, none of us need that mess no more. We don't, I don't want your personal, I don't like documentarians who insert themselves into documentaries. And I don't, I don't like people who uh, push through just for the sake of completion. Yeah. Um, so, so for him to, for him to pivot this way, I think is very, and they it all shows a maturity emotionally and, and intellectually. Totally. And they all, I feel like every, like a lot of directors or films on subjects like this, they give it this, this Disney-fied morality yes. tale thing of having to put it into context in a way that's like makes it ethic more ethical or whatever, which this Hiroshima Mon doesn't, at least to me, didn't do. It yeah. was, it left it as... I mean, you could argue the romance element is kind of a I, a sugar pill but but the way that the I romance guess, plays out it yeah, doesn't no not really very yeah. sweet about it. it's not like oh we were we were you know like on opposite sides of a war and we found each other and now we're in love and look at that if we can yeah, make it did. then <laughs> i feel like that would be the the thing to do with totally. a movie but it's left as this on unop- this open book of yeah there is no bow to be tied around this thing mm. um yeah her also was so fascinated with her describing the what he asks her what she thought of the bomb being dropped basically oh god and her description is basically what is it like shock that they did it uh and it was god where i wrote it down shit i can't find it sorry uh yeah, she says the the re, sort of the like relief of the end of the war, astonishment that they dared to do it, and then a new fear for all of us, mm-hmm. which is just like, I I don't know, I, I guess I never thought of it in those terms of people looking from the rest of the world as a non-American who I feel like I've gotten a lot of uh, propaganda about the atomic bomb bombs being dropped as just like sort of brushed over like yeah that's how we ended the war we did a they awoke the dragon and we ended the war and like that's you know they awoke the giant and we did that and then that's fine we ended the war and that's great yeah we won the war and that's how we won and it's great uh so to hear it a more nuanced explanation of it like that was really interesting to see from the perspective of a french person in the countryside Mm. uh Hiroshima. So I think that something else that, well, I know, I don't think it, something else that occurred to me while I was watching it this time, just when I would like lean back and and think more about the historic circumstances themselves, it's like, oh, wow. Like Mm -hmm. to think about how much war plays out in the work of artists at any given time. Mm Uh, because we are constantly at war Mm -hmm. Uh, and to think about where Rene and and Marguerite Duras and the actors in this film everyone working on it to think about their own experiences as uh, victims of war or for some of them bystanders of war if one can be a bystander in that Yeah. aspect i think maybe you could decide maybe you decide that for yourself in some way but um mm-hmm. of course i don't think of the atomic bomb without thinking of my own family yeah mm-hmm. um and 
the way that World War II impacted them. And so, of course, uh, half of my mom's family lived in Hiroshima at the time of the atomic bomb. So I've heard some of their stories and seen some of their injuries mm -hmm. um, in my lifetime and talked to them about it and, and been allowed to ask them questions and, and had like a strange phase as a child as a result of that being really fascinated by mm -hmm. the horror of of the atomic bomb but mm -hmm. then also of course my american family then being incarcerated which is you know another form of of trauma that mm -hmm. one could <clears throat> imagine someone creating another really impactful film around the way that those memories shift and change and and how how it reflects you know mm -hmm the world around us and and who we are as people but anyways blah -de -dee, blah blah have you have you been to blah -de -dee, this, blah -blah. this one this yes. one is tough yada 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 um, yada 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 the, they the, kiss i want to talk about the music okay oh my god talk about the music yes <laughs> Go ahead. Oh, Begin. Yeah. Uh, start. Commence. Do it. Bloody blah blah. Blah the blah, I, better, blah I guess I better not make a habit of bringing bloody blah blah to the office. <laughs> that would What's be bad. The... I won't do that ever again. <laughs> it's because com I'm uncomfortable. I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> the composer Francesco. No. Brusco? No, it's uh, Georges Delarue and Fusco. Giovanni Fusco. Fusco. Giovanni Frusco. Frusco, yeah. He. Is, he did most of the music. He did. He composed most of the music. The other composer is one waltz on the jukebox at the bar. Yeah. So Giovanni is the main person, and it looked like he did a lot of giallo movies based on the covers from what I looked at on IMDb. It's entirely <laughs> possible. I really was snapped into a uh, "Call Me by Your Name." I feel like this might have is most likely a huge uh inspiration for that film Huge. and that's one of my favorites so <laughs> yeah. happy to see where the that impetus came from and the music especially was uh, conjuring that that movie a yeah lot. there was the i i have to be honest i didn't the music didn't like the music never shook me um like i was never i was never taken out of the mise-en-scene by simply the music mm. but the sound design uh really broke my brain a couple of times oh which was mm -hmm. pretty fun um but the music is lovely like it's it's lovely and it is it's yeah just romantic enough you know <laughs> like there's a, there's a darkness to all of it that mm -hmm. that like you can't really penetrate that i found pretty mm -hmm. interesting what was the sound design that you were thinking of there so because this movie, so we should talk about this. We should talk about why this movie is is important aside from the subject matter. Um, this movie introduced jump cuts to narrative film. Um, yeah, this, this really? movie introduced using mm -hmm. quick flashes of a flashback. Oh, uh, yeah, like God. that wasn't that wasn't yeah. used in film. And commonly. that is so perfect when that happens when she sees him on the bed, his hand, and yes. then she sees a quick flash to her the. German officer yeah. that was murdered. That was so right. good. So, so Rene is is for the first time in modern cinema using that to indicate what's happening in in the minds of those characters. Mm. Like it's a flashback that is 
nonlinear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, as the film is is nonlinear, uh, but to have the little like wheat, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And it's just like, oh, it's just exactly what happens in real life. Some you see something and something just pops into your head. Yeah. But yes. what I love seeing this now is thinking about how commonplace that is and not just um a broader acceptance of the idea of film as a non-linear art form but also just the flashback mm-hmm. and the use of that like to mm-hmm. the opportunity to have the camera and the edit be the thing that pulls you in and out of the character's mind yeah yeah it's so commonplace now yeah totally you, it's hard to imagine a time when that wasn't a thing mm-hmm. yeah yep so it's thinking about that like having that in your mind (laughs) yeah um also think about how half of the movie is voiceover um and then some of it's voiceover in the midst of on-screen dialogue Mm -hmm. which blows your mind like that fucks with my brain Mm -hmm. because i'm just like well Mm -hmm. who's talking and when Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. but the moment that i actually like started was when she's telling her story at the cafe on the river and she's, she suddenly screams like she's, she's hit that point and suddenly screams and he slaps her. Yeah. And this, all the sounds of the city appear. Oh yeah. Yeah. That was amazing. Like we have, we have been so drawn into her story that the world around them does not exist for that moment in time. So, and of course, sadly it's, it's a, Good double slap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. He's, he slaps us all. He slaps the audience back into reality mm-hmm. um, for a moment. You're also pointing out the that layered use of the voiceover that's actually, is it an internal dialogue? Mm-hmm. Is it omniscience? Like, what is it? But it's separate from the direct face-to-face, we see these people speaking. Yep. Dialogue, right? There's so many layers to the way that these ideas and experiences are being communicated to us. It's really yes. special. There's actually, yes. and during that too, there's a moment that I thought was so cool because we're, you know, she's telling, you don't necessarily notice. She's telling you the story, she's giving you information, they're showing information on the screen. And there was a moment where she, I, uh, yes when the marble falls through the uh, window in the basement. Oh yeah. She doesn't say, and a marble fell through the ba- the window in the basement. We just see that. Yeah. And then she picks it up and she says, it was hot. Oh. And uh, like, that's it. Like huh. we, we've been, we're allowed to be told a story through several mediums. Yeah. And it's really cool. Mm-hmm. Like when you, mm-hmm. it's cool when you notice it, usually we don't notice it because we've been trained for, 50 years of this style of filmmaking. Yeah, right. But, then, but I love that moment in particular because you immediately, like there's no way that you don't feel that feeling in totally. your hand. Mm-hmm. And she rubs it on her lips and that's like that exactly what I would have done too yeah, <laughs> to yeah. feel the warmth of it. Yeah. The cinematography also fucking mm-hmm. stunning. Like unbelievable it's every terrific. shot. Uh, Michio Takahashi. For me, for the, the score itself. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, sorry. I was gonna say Mikio Takashi did the, I guess the Japanese portion. Sasha Vierne was the cinematographers for the the French uh, village stuff, but both incredible, mm-hmm. amazing, mm-hmm. beautiful. For me, I 
I appreciate like the consistent themes, music, getting back to the music, the consistent, like the soft, like the, the gentle and somber nature of what, you know, in essence is the lover's theme, right? Yeah. That runs through the film. But for me, what I really appreciate about the music is the sharp edges um, that happen. Like it just pops up unexpectedly and it really mirrors like the intrusive thoughts yeah. that we see in those jump cuts mm -hmm. in the mind. And I think that that's just, uh, just the perfect uh, synergy between yeah. the sound and sight. Mm -hmm. But there's part of a segment of this movie that, maybe I do find romantic and that I do find it's, it's like characteristic in, of the director's style, but it, it has kind of a weird holds a weird place in the film. And that's the montage of her uh, running to meet her lover, which oh, is yeah. just that mm -hmm. is great. Incredible. Yeah. yeah and great. it just takes you successfully out of this, this, Hit <laughs> mm -hmm. or out of the present, you know, over a cellar. Perhaps that is the pit. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And who cannot identify, or I hope, I hope there isn't a single person who can't identify with that moment of excitement mm -hmm. of going to meet mm -hmm. this person that you love. And it's, but it's just seeing it over and over and over again, and like the physical exuberance of it, and just so many scenes yeah. doing that <laughs> it's just perfection yeah. it is such it's it's both an amazing respite and like an opportunity to sort of be in love with this woman as a 20 year old mm -hmm. girl in love mm -hmm. in france in wartime france but never then also just to know we know where she is now and we know what's going to happen and so it is just it's not even that it's bittersweet i mean it just just rips you in half mm -hmm. but in just the most yeah exciting way yeah. i don't know it's I a just, lot uh... I just had that moment yesterday when I picked up Eric from the airport, but it was me and a Prius in the, in the um, Panda Express parking lot. And I ran. Oh, boring. Yeah, I, yeah. I ran Banal. from baggage claim to <laughs> it sprinted to, to the to the curb over and over again. <laughs> and I got to go around and around at the Burbank Airport, wondering where my lover was. What have you? I appreciate your trans your transient memories of <laughs> yeah. that experience. I remember nothing of the Bob Hope Burbank Airport. <laughs> I'm forgetting it already. You don't you don't know nothing of it. You are the Bob Hope. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Bob Hope Monamore. Uh, Bob Hope Monamore. <laughs> have you uh, read or seen anything else Marguerite uh, Duras has written? I was just looking through her filmography. And I haven't. Very, very interesting writer for this project in Le Campion with, um, Gerard, wait, who is it? Depardieu? Gerard Depardieu? Yeah. Mm. It's her and him in a, on a road trip, I guess, in a truck, talking about a film that she's going to make and communism from the synopsis, basically. It's, and is that it, a Godard? <laughs> or did no, she direct it? She directed, it, okay, cool. I think, and starred in it. And it's her trying to kill cinema, is how she describes it. Yeah. <laughs> and there, I guess, during this time when this movie was released, 
in the interview that I watched with Alain Rene, the the interviewer asks him, is cinema alive? Is it dead? Or is it about to be born? So there was like this death of cinema thing going on during this time it seems like or a reinvention <laughs> which, i guess which, which is sorry. like that's every every fucking 10 years <laughs> i guess so yeah but her trying to murder cinema in her i love movie. that yeah it's great it but is. little did she she could never know that it would happen 50 years later with jim jarmusch made the dead don't die <laughs> oh god he yeah he murders, really killed cinema he throttled it with his bare hands <laughs> he brought it back to life with only lovers left alive and then he throttled it, and murdered it again <laughs> she seems very interesting oh though her and she's a playwright so yeah. that's like you know that makes that says a lot to me it um, was playwrights it, tend to to want to dig into areas like that yeah. novelist yeah playwright director mm -hmm. she's all the things mm -hmm. she she's pretty rad. was part of the resistance in world war ii mm -hmm. and her childhood is like also steeped in really intense trauma which makes her being the writer of hiroshima monomore all the more interesting i think yeah the way she talked about it um, was she was like this is a love story and if you said it in any other city it would be banal so it's like that is an also an interesting way to talk about your own work. Maybe a very French way where they're just like, yeah, it's not bad. Like everything is just like, mm, not bad, but the nothing's French, good. The French are decisive, if anything. Yeah. <laughs> <Just know> that. <laughs> My, that's another. So the, the one of the other moments of, of romance for me in the movie that I really got kind of like heart swelly was the uh, the other montage in the movie towards the end where it is uh, shots of Paris streets mm. cut with shots of hiroshima streets oh yeah um hiroshima at night mm. paris in the daytime although it may have been nevers the people on the but river. it was that like i just saw place de la republique yeah and i was like that's my favorite mm -hmm. place in paris and maybe it was nevers maybe uh, they have one too yeah either way uh but that those that that kind of shit always gets me where it's like <laughs> uh here's here's the beauty of this and the beauty of this and here is someone basically explaining the intersection within themselves those people sitting on and the he, river while he is following her walking walking at night and it's all of that together just really made me yeah that's the romance moment for me the, the people sitting on the river in mm. hiroshima is so beautiful oh, those shots that. and then yeah reminded me of sitting in the river in kyoto that's uh, i said that to larry last night i was like oh have you ever been to kyoto there's <laughs> you can sit by the river there at night so beautiful wonderful. yeah <sighs> have you been to Hiroshima, Ellen? Have you ever been there? I have not. I really want to go. It's, I always, I never make it that far west, southwest. It's just like Kyoto and Osaka and then back to Tokyo every time. But I would really love to go Well, there. good thing they took Kyoto off the hit list. Yeah. <laughs> what? Oh, oh, that's right. Ugh. Jesus. Yeah. Fuck. Anyways, any rewrites, um, Ellen? Any, yeah, uh, rewrite corner. <laughs> God, we have to do a pick your poke, too. That's horrible. We can't. Is this the one time we can skip that? <laughs> that I mean, seems well, we're here. Horrible. So, oh, <laughs> just do it. God. It's time for pick your poke. It's time for pick your poke. Oh. Uh, go ahead. The War. The, the mood. Yeah. <laughs> War. Fat man. <laughs> per usual, fat we, man. We finally answered, what is it good for? Uh, 
the mood and the Sorry, vibe. <laughs> it's the vibes. The vibes. The vibes of the mood and the vibes. I would definitely. <laughs> I mean, our two leads are gorgeous. They're they're yeah. truly beautiful. Yeah. I kept thinking she was Charlotte Rampling. Like I kept getting this. <laughs> oh <laughs> like, yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. Which I'm sorry. Uh, oh yeah. Manuel, no, that's, yeah. No. You are nobody, your own person. Nothing. The cinematography. What's yours? Yeah. Oh. Uh, it's Hiroshima. <laughs> oh, nice. Hiroshima looked great. Beautiful. I love, I love a night city. Yeah. Um, Hiroshima Monpoke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Monpoke. <laughs> I don't understand as a. Uh, <laughs> I the other this we are on a very good track I feel in uh uh chain reaction of these films that we've watched and how they relate to each other and how the, the just the mood and vibe I haven't stopped thinking about possession since we watched it yeah uh and and that's a war that's kind of a war movie in its own right <laughs> yeah and also this has the dreamlike quality of and I don't understand as a, a director how you get that energy into your movie and just leave it as that like this open-ended dream state that it is Mm -hmm. it's just like so more than the sum of its parts it's just like way beyond just looking at it shot for shot or whatever that's why it's so hard to like do a minute max about this where it's just like the this is so much more than just like a film or whatever it's just just an idea and a and a mood and a vibe and and, and everything so imagine ellen if we Watch Black Moon. <laughs> Your loss. I know. <laughs> oh, it'll happen at some point, regardless. <laughs> but yeah, I just don't understand as a um, creator how you get that and how you leave it there and how it's so successful and like. I mean, I can look at I can look at the work and kind of dissect the elements of it, but I can't. Yeah. I can't. You know say oh this is it right exactly how does it add up or even to it's these three things it's like yeah it really is a it's a talent it's something that it's something that you learn to do and that's why i don't think you should do your rewrite ellen yeah ellen can we not do rewrites this (laughs) this episode i think we should skip your famous rewrite (laughs) ellen's rewrite nook Ellen's rewrite. Oh, horror, the face horror. the face Ellen is making, listener, is <laughs> priceless <laughs> and angry. Um, <laughs> is it well? Is it time to do links? Yes, I highly yes. recommend this movie to anyone who is interested in seeing it. Hell yeah! Um, and as a, I guess, not the beginning of the new wave. It's definitely a pillar of the new wave cinema, tr- uh, French new wave. Not. Somebody, I thought I read that it was one of the first, but is that true? No, because they were earlier than this. But yes, is it? <laughs> Ellen says yes. What's your What's your link? My link <laughs> is from the guy who made the waltz on the jukebox. Um, mm. The other, Georges Delarue. He also worked on a film called. The Day of the Dolphin. Oh my God. <laughs> oh, wow. And I have heard of this movie before, but I never looked into it. And this just oh my God. feels like a heart to heart plot. So I 
instantly and i was like that i can't do i can't pick from hiroshima monomore the guy who made the song (laughs) on the jukebox but when there's also this incredible composer i know it felt wrong but i was like that that sounds like it was going back to our heart-to-heart roots a little bit and (laughs) if you don't know this movie like i don't it's about a marine biologist teaches his dolphins to communicate in English, but shady characters plan to kidnap the trained mammals for a more sinister purpose, and that really reeks of heart to heart, so I had to choose it. Let's get us back to something a little sillier. Well, well played. Have you well well played, Have you guys but... seen it? Yes. You have? I have seen it, yeah. <laughs> Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> um, in terms of me cutting you off about the conversation around French New Wave, I feel like we'll get back there. Yeah. Oh, yes. We'll get back to I'm not a worried. really great opportunity to talk about exhaustively or until we're exhausted by a uh, discussion around French New Wave. You mean when, um, when we watch E.T.? I. <laughs> it's pronounced A. You blew it. Um, you blew it. it. The. I am going to continue to drag us down into <laughs> undergrad undergraduate film class territory, which is not an insult to these films. No, it's not. No, it's not. Nope. It's just a vibe. Just a vibe it is. that's been happening, but I can't be this close to this film and not do it. And I, this was the one that I had initially thought I would do. And then it was like, no, I, I just scratched that. I'm not going to do it. So I was supposedly looking for a link, but instead I just, I'm going to do this one. Okay. All that to say, my link is following Eiji Okada, our mm. lead actor, mm. um, to the 1964. Eric, can you guess what I'm going to say? No. Maybe not. To 1964 <laughs> Shigahara masterpiece, Woman in the Dunes. Oh. Oh, my God. Um... Is this a heady undergraduate film? Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a, I just think it's a spectacular film. Mm. Um, but it certainly does is not going to bring the levity. Okay. Um, of day of the day of the dolphin. <laughs> um, uh, Joe, um, I'll give you the. Should I do the IMDb? Yes, please. Yes, because yes. yes. I, I, I I've never heard That's of this. Funny. Oh, okay. Uh, so, Woman in the Dunes, nineteen sixty four directed by Hiroshi Tashigahara. Uh, and the, the IMDb description, kind of different, is um, an entomologist on vacation is trapped by local villagers into living with a woman whose life task is shoveling sand for them. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Entomologist. <laughs> Interesting. I love that you picked that. <clears throat> and I'm... I... I'm sorry. I'm sorry, and I'm not sorry. But... Yeah, uh, this is going to be tough. Uh, based on, I had two, um, and based on your two links, I have decided mm. <laughs> that I wanted to follow Aiji Okada uh, <gasps> to 1973's Lady Snowblood. Oh, nice. I've been uh, wanting to watch oh, that. Yes. I have also been wanting to watch it. Uh, yes. So, listener, the uh, the plot description of Lady Snowblood via IMDb is, a oh, strikingly so beautiful good. young woman is trained from birth to be a deadly instrument of revenge against the swindlers who destroyed her family. 
Nice. And I've heard that Kill Bill is basically a shot-for-shot remake of that movie. Yes. So. Uh, Kill Bill, many, many elements of Kill Bill are taken directly from Lady Snowblood. But if we want to talk about Tarantino's <laughs> yeah. uh, pieces of film, we can do that. Tarantino's new wave. Elsewhere. <laughs> okay. Oh, my God. Interesting. Do, I, do, if we want a 3 2 one it, yes. I'm down. But I'm, I'm going to say mine. Let's do okay. Wow! Spoiler alert. Let's 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 three, two, one it. Okay, okay. ready? Yeah. Why not? It's fun. Three, two, one. Lady, Lady Snowblood. Snowblood. Lady Snowblood. Yes. Oh! <laughs> Unanimous. Good pick. Right on. Well, listener, mm, that was a surprise, and I was <laughs> I was kind of huh. hoping that we would end up doing Women of the Dunes, uh, because I Ellen love Women of the Dunes. I've yes. never seen it. You haven't. No. Oh, I'm so thrilled. But I will for you to see it. I will absolutely. I've, I've only seen real life Women of the Dunes. This is a funny thing about Women of the Dunes, and I'm only going to say it because we aren't doing it yet. Uh, that is the movie mm-hmm. that when I was around 2021, 20, I would see friends, other nerdy film filmy friends, and they'd be like, "I just watched this movie, Woman of the Dunes, last night, and what mm-hmm. the fuck?" Like several different people from different circles of friends had the exact same thing to say about it. I think it's because it had just come out on DVD or something, hmm. but uh, yeah, I don't know why I never visited it. And then I'm now I'm thinking maybe I have seen it and I just don't remember anyway. Uh, Mem- remembrance. Once again, I'm forgetting already a theme of Stop remembrance me. in our podcast. Uh, so lady snowblood listener is streaming on max. It's also uh, it's three bucks on prime. Um, let me see if it's on canopy because I think it might be. Yeah. All right. Bye. Do you want to? Do you want to buy? I'm sorry. That's okay. So Say freeway. Uh, Goodbye, freeway. <laughs> Good night, freeway. <laughs> Bye, freeway. Sorry. <laughs> love you. Bye. Love, love you. you. Love women in the noon. Bye. <laughs> Uh okay. Now we can say whatever we want about women of the dunes. Yes, woman of the <laughs> which dunes. Which we, which we have no idea what we're talking about. Um, it's not on Canopy, listener, but it is available on Max, and of course, it's available at your local video store. And if you don't have one of those, I recommend Scarecrow.com. Lady Snowblood. Lady Snowblood. That'll mm. be what we were watching. If <laughs> I you can't wait see. to make an image for that <laughs> yeah yeah with boba. with boba if you want to see where kill bill came from yes <laughs> i'm excited i am too that'll be fun and with that and with that good night freeway <laughs> give us a like and a follow and a subscribe and rate our <laughs> rate and review yeah all of those things yeah and send in minute maxes oh yeah if you want to send in a minute max for lady snowblood uh try and get it to us by tuesday yeah good night freeway 